0: I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Heyo, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction, and I am your host once again, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Thank you all once again for tuning in to one of the greatest libertarian podcasts, this side of the Mason-Dixon line. It's pretty exciting to be able to do an episode and not have to talk about Iran. <laughs> oh, I had to go on a an Iran binge for the last couple of episodes, but... No no Iran talk today. We just had the seventh goddamn the seventh debate, a Democratic primary debate. And it's the last one before Iowa. It was last night. This is Wednesday now, Wednesday afternoon. And so I you know I had a few thoughts on that. I caught some of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. These are just Unbelievably boring to watch. I can't get through all of them. I can't believe there's been seven already. They all just blend together. There's, God, it's just such a bad system, but there's no substance in any of these debates. Like, if they're going to have seven, seven debates before you even have one um, primary election, why not pick one or two topics for a debate? And at least attempt to get some substance in these answers to the questions. I mean, why do we have to go over the same like seven topics every time so that you get nothing but candidates repeating the same 30-second platitudes over and over and over again? And then there's just the occasional confrontation between two people It's over something stupid. Like, who cares? Who cares? If you really want to solve these problems, pick one topic for one night and get everybody to talk in depth about it not just say oh we have an economy that only works for the rich and we need an economy that's working for the poor and i'm gonna give that to you Uh, oh okay so um you've said that 150,000 times now how about you explain why the economy only works for the rich and how you're going to build this economy. As if the economy needs to be built by politicians, uh, like barking out orders with a blowhorn. That's not how a market functions. You don't build an economy. Economies happen through the voluntary exchanges of free people. But none of these candidates actually know that, and, and none of them could talk in depth about any of these topics. None of them could display a level of knowledge that would impress anybody they couldn't talk about these things for more than 30 seconds that that's the whole point because they don't know anything none of these guys know anything it's it's just embarrassing for them to have to go in depth on any one topic but anyway um cory booker suspended his campaign or ended his campaign i should say for president earlier this week i think probably right um after i did the last episode on monday news came out or it might maybe right just before it, something like that um so he's done he's out and i know most people probably didn't even realize that he wasn't already gone he's been irrelevant for pretty much the entire primary cycle and you know it's not surprising that a milk toast candidate with essentially the exact same ideas as everyone else up there He just mixes in some crazy eyes and this creepy grin on his face. So it's not surprising that he wasn't more popular, (laughs) at least not to me. I don't know. But um, he's out, and with his departure, and the fact that the only other people of color on the Democratic ticket, Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, who also happen to be the most interesting candidates that are running on the Democratic ticket but they don't qualify for the debate. So with, with Cory Booker out and those two not qualifying, the Democratic primary stage was looking overwhelmingly white, rich, and very, very old. If I didn't know any better, I, I, and I had the volume turned down on the TV so I couldn't hear their you know, idiotic socialist policies, I would have thought I was watching a Republican debate. And there's just something hilarious and satisfying about this. The party that claims to be all about diversity, they're anti-rich, they're pro-worker, anti-elite. You know, they're the party of youth. I mean that's their whole thing, right? Wealth is bad, diversity is good. We're the party for young people. And then up on stage you look around and you have six white people, two of them are women, four of them are millionaires, multi-millionaires. One of them is a billionaire. There's another billionaire not up on stage. Three of them are just old, at like septuagenarians. They're just like almost on their deathbeds. <laughs> I thought the Republican Party was supposed to be the party of the rich, old, white men. Isn't that the knock on them from the Democrats? And and then you just look look, look at what we have here. All of these Democratic voters who claim to champion diversity and despise millionaires and billionaires have decided to throw their support behind the exact opposite of what they claim to be all about. I just find it hilarious and revealing. It's very revealing. There was no appetite among Democratic voters for any of their black candidates or a fake Mexican. They, they, were, just, they were the first to bow out. And um, the only other two minorities, as I said, can't even qualify for the debates. The so Tosi Gabbard... She should be their wet dream. She should be a democratic primary wet dream. She's a woman. She's a person of color. She favors all their insane pipe dream ideas. She wants all the free stuff. She just also happens to oppose the American empire. And her big thing is being anti-war. That's what she's all about first and foremost. But she likes all the other ideas too. So why isn't she more popular? Uh, apparently that's disqualifying to be (laughs) anti-war. I I don't know. You would think that uh, checking off those three big boxes of woman, person of color, and insane socialist policies, that would be enough to at least qualify for the debate over Amy Klobuchar? I mean, there's nothing to like about that woman, but she's still up there. Uh, I don't know. And then Andrew Yang. I mean, look. Um, I know the left doesn't consider Asians to be people of color or minorities because Asians are successful minorities. They aren't interested in minorities that don't have victimhood status, right? Uh, They can't exploit. If they can't exploit and patronize them, then they're not minorities, all right? We're not interested. Because Asians are overwhelmingly successful in a country that put some of them in internment camps within the last century took all their, blo- uh, all their property, threw them in some camps. And, I mean, Asians make more money on average than even the, the most privileged white guys. They have better test scores. They do better in every single facet uh, of society. Any, any way we measure it, the Asians are like the most successful in, in everything. And they just totally destroy this whole social justice warrior narrative of white privilege. Like, there's all this white privilege. How do you explain the Asians? I mean, why are Asians so successful? Because, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about minorities, I mean, they, like, compared to a, a, what a white person looks like, an Asian person looks very, very different. They speak a weird language. It always sounds like they're complaining or whining about something. <laughs> all right, they have, uh, they have different eyes. They have different colored skin. They have a weird culture. Yeah, their music is weird their food is different they eat like things that people would consider gross i don't know they they're just they're so much more different than white people than even black people are um uh, in, in terms of just like um uh, superficial differences i guess in culture and uh they look really different i don't know what to say so how how could they be more successful than white people if there's all this white privilege could it have something to do with the fact that most of them come from intact households with strict parents that instill discipline they focus on family and education and they demand excellence from their kids they're not constantly making excuses for them uh you know that i think that may have a lot to do with it they literally do the exact opposite of what the the values that the democratic party preaches they're polar opposites and they're some of the most successful people in the country so, obviously, Democrats aren't going to be interested in that. They don't count, right? To be a minority, you have to be destitute and dependent on the government, I guess. That way, that you know, they can promise to take care of you. They can steal from all the other successful people and point to them as the, the ones that are keeping you down and give you supposedly free stuff that, in the end, does nothing but trap unsuspecting victims in cycles of poverty and government dependence which is, of course, exactly what they want. That's all they want. They want a permanent voting bloc that will never think about not voting Democrat because if they don't, the evil Republicans will take away their welfare, or cut their Social Security, or come after their Medicare and their Medicaid, right? That's the, the fear-mongering that goes on. And if you listen to my last episode, they would be doing you a huge favor if they cut out Social Security. Um, And if you haven't listened to the last episode, I highly suggest you go back and listen to at least the last half of it where I I just put a dagger through the heart of Social Security. Uh, The last nail in the coffin as far as I'm concerned. I don't see how anyone could listen to that and be in favor of it after the shredding that I gave it. But anyway, it's very revealing on a number of levels because the Democratic Party is just obsessed. They've been obsessed with race and diversity That's their whole thing. It's practically all they talk about. Everything is racist, and we need more diversity. right? And I've always stipulated that this is just projection on their part. This is what you'd call psychological projection. It is a defense mechanism that people subconsciously employ in order to cope with difficult feelings or emotions. They project undesirable feelings or emotions onto someone else rather than admitting or dealing with the fact that they have those same unwanted feelings. So the reason everyone else is racist is because they themselves actually suffer from such feelings. And it's just obvious. If you look around at their behavior, it's obvious. They are the ones who view everyone in terms of skin color. They are the ones that make all kinds of assumptions of people based on their skin color and their gender, they are the ones that feel certain groups of people are inferior or superior because of the color of their skin or what gender they are or their sexuality. The first thing they see in every situation is someone's race and their gender. It's, it's front and center, first and foremost. It's all that matters to them. They don't see people as individuals. They see them as groups. You're either a minority or a straight white guy. I mean, that's basically what the whole LGBTQRS, whatever it is now. Why why don't you just say, not straight white people. It'd just be a lot easier, right? Um, Your skin color, your gender, those are your defining characteristics as far as the Democratic Party is concerned. Not who you are as a person, not your thoughts or your ideas, just the most superficial, immutable characteristics a person can have. And Cory Booker is the perfect example of this. The reaction to him bowing out, it had nothing to do with him as a person or a candidate or his ideas or his platform or anything like that. It was just, oh, man, uh, we just lost a black guy. We just lost the last black guy. Uh, we've gotten less diverse. <laughs> I mean, that's that's literally what the reaction was from everybody. That's all the corporate press seemed to be concerned about. All the Democratic Party seemed to be care- uh, concerned about and the voters. That's it. They just see him as a black guy. No talk about his core beliefs or his main issues or anything like that. And maybe some of that's on him. Uh, you know, I, I'm still not sure why he was running for president. Like what he was really running on. He didn't seem to have a central message. That may have been part of his problem. That and his crazy eyes. Jesus. But he he, he didn't have a purpose other than being black. Apparently, it was just funny to me. It's just oh, we got less diverse now. We got less diverse. So we lost our black guy. When really, yes, yes, there are no more black people running on the Democratic ticket. But again, that is the most superficial form of diversity ever. And it's the least important as far as I'm concerned. And that's all they're concerned about. The most pointless, superficial form of diversity. What color is your skin and what genitalia do you have? Yeah, they certainly don't want diversity of opinion or thought. No, 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 no. You can't stray from the the Tom Woods 3 by 5 index card of allowable opinion. In fact, they're the thought police. The Democratic Party, the the people who vote Democrat, the very left uh, militant wing of the Democratic Party, if you want to call them that, they want you deplatformed and silenced for your ideas if you don't align with their ideology. But if you don't see things their way, well, you're a Nazi, you're a fascist, You need to be censored and punished for wrong think, right? And it's all projection. There's nothing more fascistic than silencing your opposition for their thoughts, for falling out of lockstep with with the party line. You've got Antifa out there attacking people with batons, cracking them over the heads with bike locks because they voted for another party because they're wearing a red hat. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's not fascist at all. <laughs> I mean, they're communists. They they claim to be communists, so I, I, I'll take them at their word. But communists and fascists, despite their retarded claims, they're on the same side of the political spectrum. Make no mistake about it. It's all socialism. Socialism is the umbrella. Fascism, communism, they're just different uh, implementations of the socialist ideology. They seem to think that fascism is some right-wing ideology that has some racial component to it. And that's just nonsense. Fascism originated in Mussolini's Italy. There was no racial component there. There There's nothing racial about it. It was nationalism. It was Italian. Okay. But anyway, I'm digressing here. Have they really gotten less diverse because the guy that thought exactly the same as everybody up on that stage dropped out of the race? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Not really. Just in terms of, like I said, the most pointless characteristic, somebody's skin color. In terms of ideas, what ideas were lost with Cory Booker dropping out of this race? There are none. He had the exact same ideas as everybody else up on that stage. The reason there's no diversity up on stage has nothing to do with the lack of uh, different tones of skin. It's because they don't allow anybody who thinks differently, who may have an unapproved establishment thought, They don't allow them up on stage. That's why Tulsi Gabbard's not there. That's why Andrew Yang's not there. That's why everyone up there has the exact same opinion on just about everything. There's no disagreement among these candidates. I mean, what's the range? What's the range of thought up on that stage at this point? It's like two inches on the political spectrum. Are you for Medicare for all or Medicare for all who want it? Are you for raping people with income tax and incredibly high corporate taxes and raising the capital gains tax or are you for all of that but you also want to tack on a wealth tax Uh, do you want to make college free for everybody or just free for everybody who isn't a rich kid (laughs) right I mean that's it that's the only difference so it almost feeds into their projection and forces these candidates to be like well you know vote for me because I'm a woman or vote for me because I'm a person of color uh, that's all they have at this point. They all have the same worldview, the same outlook, so what else is there to separate them from each other? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, there, there's just something hilarious about getting to watch all of these lefties squirm around and try to come to terms with the fact that they have the least diverse group of the whitest rich people that have practically ever run for president. I mean, Jesus, you don't get any whiter than Elizabeth Warren Joe Biden, and other random billionaire guy, Bloomberg, Bernie Sanders. I mean, yeah, he's Jewish. So I I do get confused with this. Does that still count as being white? I I don't get it. Um, I think it might depend on who you ask. Because if you talk to the alt-right, he ain't white. But if if you're talking to Democrats, I think they consider him white. So I don't know. Uh, Somebody's going to have to clarify that for me. But man... It does not get any whiter than Elizabeth Warren, does it? Uh, Where is she from, Oklahoma? Oklahoma's got to be in the top three whitest states, if not the whitest. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead and name a whiter state than Oklahoma. Uh, I'll wait. (laughs) I mean, she has less Indian in her blood than I do, and that was the best part about that whole DNA tour that she went on, her thinking that that one one 1,027th uh, one 1, part Indian proof that she wasn't lying about her heritage and that Donald Trump lost the bet when in fact it proved that she was just the whitest person on the face of the earth as if we didn't already know that from tr- watching her trying to dance and drink beer I mean Jesus anyway it's pretty funny to watch There's there's never a dull moment unless of course you're actually watching one of these debates which are unbearably boring, like un, just unbearable. I, I actually slept through the first like two hours of this. I caught the tail end of it. I think I watched the last like, 45 minutes or so, and that's enough. I mean, I already know exactly what every single one of these candidates are going to say, and if you don't know that by now, like, there's, there's something wrong with you. If you can't just, um, before Bernie Sanders opens his mouth, know exactly what's going to come out of it, I don't know what you've been doing. For the last year or so because he just says the same thing over and over again they all do anyway as far as the remaining candidates go most of the headlines i've been seeing today are about this feud that's brewing between sanders and warren right because apparently bernie told pocahontas that he didn't think a woman could win the presidency like uh, a couple years ago or something during the uh la- last election cycle when hillary clinton was leading in the polls by like a huge margins. And so, I, I don't know, it's weird because isn't that the same message that all of these women are, are peddling? That the patriarchy is keeping them down, and there's this glass ceiling, and we need to change this, and blah-biddy-blah-blah. Blah, blah. I mean, do you think they'd rally around that message? See, even Bernie Sanders says that the patriarchy is trying to keep women down, and we, we, need, to, we need to fight against that. But no, no, that, that, that apparently makes him anti-woman. He hates women now. It's, I, I don't even believe that he said this for a second. Especially since it's Warren making the claim. She's She's been fucking making shit up all the time. Or she was an Indian, and then she was fired for that job because she got pregnant. Oh, there's another one. I'm drawing a blank on all her lies. But everything turns out to just be bullshit from her. It's so all she does is lie. Make up stories. And this is just... The, you can tell that CNN is out... CNN is the... By the way... It was in the tank for Hillary Clinton last time. They helped screw Bernie out of that election. Weren't they caught leaking debate questions to Hillary Clinton? Wasn't that the same CNN? And, and you could just tell if you saw this one clip. And I thought about playing it, but I'm just not going to do it because I I can pretty much explain what happened. But it, it, you could just tell that they're they're trying to get rid of Bernie. They're going after him. It was literally like uh, the the question was Bernie. We need you to clarify because we're hearing that you told Elizabeth Warren that you didn't think a woman could win, win a presidency. Did you say that? He's like, no, absolutely not. So you are categorically denying that you said, you, there's no way you ever said this. Uh, that's correct. I did not say that. Senator Warren, how did it feel when Bernie Sanders told you that he didn't think women could win, uh, win the presidency? <laughs> I mean, they just hopped right over to it. You could just tell that Bernie was just like, what the fuck is going on here? I just told you that I didn't say that. Ah, We're just going to pretend that you did. Uh, Okay, and then Warren just answers the quiet. Oh, I was shocked. I was taken aback. I was angry. Oh, man, is she the worst? But why? Why would Bernie even say that? Why would he bother saying this to her, even if he believed it? He would say this to her knowing that she's going to be running against him for president? What benefit is there from him telling her that? and giving her the ammunition for the campaign. And why didn't this come out earlier? Huh. You know, they've been campaigning for over a fucking year. They've had all these debates. It's awfully convenient that all of a sudden, now that Bernie's pulling away, and Sanders is, or uh, Warren is floundering. uh, She's sinking, she's starting to sink like a stone, actually. Floundering is being kind. And now this comes up? Oh, now Bernie... The, the one guy who's stealing all my support, stealing all my thunder, who's rising in the polls, who's being projected to win Iowa and New Hampshire. Oh, now he's, he's anti-woman now. Uh, okay, I'm not buying that for a second. That CNN is just cancer for that question. It was unbelievable. I think Warren's basically done for. And thank God she's the worst. She is the worst. But after Iowa and New Hampshire, she's not going to win. It looks like Bernie could win. It also looks like Biden could win based on these polls. I've seen it both ways. So I don't know. One of those two will probably take Iowa and New Hampshire. If it's Bernie, I, I mean, either way, I think Warren's done. But if it's Bernie, she's toast. She's toast. And then Bernie gets a huge bump from all of her supporters because... Her supporters are, th- those are the two far-left socialist candidates, right? Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. So if you don't have Warren, you're looking at Biden or Sanders or, or Mayor Pete, right? So, I mean, it's all going to go to Sanders. And then, you know, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to steal this from him again. Otherwise, he might get the nomination. If he can pull off Iowa and New Hampshire, he starts getting all of, uh, all of Warren's support he he could he could roll on to win that nomination. And I think he would be the best matchup against Trump at, at this point. I really do. And not because his ideas are any better than anybody else's. They're terrible. But they're both sort of considered out of favor with the establishment, right? That was part of the appeal of Donald Trump. I'm gonna drain the swamp. It's pretty clear that the establishment does not care much for Bernie Sanders. His message will appeal to the lowest common denominators in society and all these naive college kids who want all this free stuff. And he he's at least talking about issues that are important to average, everyday people. Yeah, I mean, his solutions are god-awful. I don't think most people are going to realize how bad his solutions are because they're all emotional appeals, and they all sound great. Uh, people are emotional. We all make these emotional decisions, And then we try and justify them after the fact, rationally. And that was a lot of Trump's appeal the first time around. They had all these emotional things. You know, we're going to win. We're going to start winning again. We don't win anymore. We're going to make America great. We're going to stick it to China. We're getting ripped off by these Chinese. We're going to stick it to them. Those are all emotional appeals to disenfranchised people, to their base instincts. Sanders has a similar messaging directed toward the poor and the working class. And if you've listened to me on the economy, it's not as strong as Trump wants you to believe. It's actually on the brink. It's on the precipice of a meltdown. He's very beatable at this point. He's a weak candidate. And his message now, it can't be we're going to make America great again. It's keep America great. That's beatable. That's a beatable message. Make America great. That was that was a really good, strong campaign slogan. That conveyed a, a, a quick message. It meant different things to different people. But once it's your mess, it's your economy, it's your country, keep America great again, that's beatable. And so I think Bernie's message of, you know, this economy's not working for the average man, it's only working for the rich, that's gonna resonate with a lot of people. There's a lot more poor people than there are rich people. Why do you think all these politicians pander to them? And he can always one-up Trump on the free stuff. And that's why one of the reasons I always talk about the importance of principles. Well, neither of these two parties have any, and it's going to get Republicans in a lot of trouble. Not having a principled stance on things is going to make defending your position very precarious. The claim to be the party of limited government Restrain spending, free markets, but in practice, not doing any of that. In practice, basically just being socialists light. We essentially have a, a hardcore socialist party in the Democrats and a watered-down version of socialism in the Republicans. Trump and the Republicans will support all of the socialist policies we already have in place. They just don't take them to their logical conclusion. And that's the problem. Like, they want Medicare for old people. They want Medicaid for poor people. Well, the Democrats just want those for everybody. So what's wrong with that? I mean, after all, if Medicare for old people is good, why not give it to everyone? Why not give Medicaid to everyone? Medicare, Medicaid, just give it to everybody. If it's good for the old, it, it's good for the, the poor and the young and everybody else, right? So how do you make an argument? a principled argument to defend that position. Same goes for military spending. You know, They want to spend a shit ton of money on the military. The so-called fiscal conservatives have no problem spending close to $800 billion a year on our killing force. <laughs> okay, So, well, if you're going to spend that much on war overseas to just blow stuff up, why can't we spend at least that much on Americans here in the United States? I mean, we have poor people here. We need to spend that money here. Uh, You can see Sanders now. You never seemed to care about the spending when it was on the military. But when it comes to helping the poor and the young and combating climate change, all of a sudden now you're concerned about deficits? Uh, How how can you defend that? Uh, How do you defend against it? Because you have no principle. They don't have a leg to stand on anymore because they're all full of shit. Deficits are okay out-of-control spending is okay as long as it's for this and not for that. I, I don't see that playing too well. And Trump has never really talked about cutting anything. He's not ta- uh, touching Social Security. He's not touching Medicare, Medicaid, or military spending. Uh, these are all increasing, and they're the biggest drivers of our long-term deficit problems. But he won't be able to outpromise Sanders. So, I mean, how's he going to how's he gonna win? I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, he's Trump, so he'll come up with something, I'm sure. It's, but Sanders is riding this w- popular wave of democratic socialism that seems to be sweeping the world. There's a large appetite for all of his ridiculous ideas, uh, thanks to our naive government-educated electorate. You know, free college, free health care, free childcare. It's all free. It's all free. It reminds me of the original Batman movie uh, from the '80s. What was it? 1989. With Jack Nicholson as Joker. Michael Keaton. Where Joker's having that parade in the streets. And he's like, who are you going to believe? Me? I'm giving away free money. And where, Where is the Batman? He's nowhere to be seen. I mean, who are they going to go with? The guy giving away stuff for free? Or the guy that wants to give away some stuff for free? I, I don't know. Uh, I guess uh, I'll, I'll let you, the voters decide. I mean, I would annihilate... Bernie Sanders in a debate because as I've proven on this show, he is a despicable human being. So maybe that's how Trump will go after him, but Trump's not much better in that regard. But Bernie's just such a charlatan. Talking about all this greed and corruption and these corporations, you know, he goes after all these tax cuts and I I think um, the Republicans are coming out with another round of tax cuts or Trump's coming out with another proposal for new tax cuts ahead of the election to sort of goose his chances of winning. I'm going to talk about that probably on the next episode. I I can't get into it here, but, you know, Bernie's going to say, oh, all these greedy, greedy rich people want to keep their taxes. And it's just like, well, how is it greedy to want to keep what you have, what you've earned, and not greedy to want to take what others have earned? Uh, Go ahead and explain that one to me, Bernie. Uh, that would be my first question, but uh, anyways, I'm not here to debate Bernie Sanders, but the only other viable candidate I see at this point is um, Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete Butt Plug, <laughs> which I, I think he's too gay to be president. Nobody is talking about this, but I think being gay is going to be a problem for him. I, I really do. I, I personally couldn't care because... I don't really have this statist mentality that the president represents me or has to be this strong presidential figure or whatever. I I don't put presidents up on pedestals. In fact, I, I like to rip them down. That's why I find Trump hilarious. Like, I don't care. I don't care if he's an embarrassment on the world stage or whatever. It's funny to me. It's funny to me. In fact, I prefer to have a bumbling buffoon as president because it wipes away that facade or, or that veneer of prestige that we've given to the Oval Office over the years. And I think overall as a society, people don't have a problem with gay people. I mean, everyone made a big deal about the whole gay marriage thing before the Supreme Court just declared it the law of the land, right? And there was never any real pushback on that. There wasn't some huge movement against it. You didn't see riots in the streets or anything like that. People just accepted it, and, and they moved on. Like, uh, oh, okay, whatever. And and then, you know, the left just goes crazy with all the transgendered stuff and giving your kids hormone injections and blockers or whatever to help your six-year-old transition. But I think even those in society that don't approve of a gay lifestyle, they'll tolerate it. They'll still tolerate it. But I don't think that they will vote for it to be in the White House, front and center, flaunted in their face every day. I, I I don't know a male first lady, <laughs> right? And Them kissing and walking around holding hands and stuff like that. I don't think those uh, those are like what a lot of voters really want to see from their president. Uh, not in America. America wants like a tough, masculine guy, maybe a strong woman. I don't know. It it, it goes back to what I was talking about. How they want to have some strong presence. And be respected overseas and all that stuff. So I think he's going to have a lot of problems courting the vote of a lot of straight males. Especially the older ones. I I don't think they will throw their support behind a guy that takes it from behind. There's just too many immature jokes that can be made at his expense. I mean, I just made one right there. Uh, I'm not mature enough to handle this either. And look, I don't care if he's gay. That doesn't bother me. I wholeheartedly support anyone's right to be gay, have no problem with gay people or their lifestyles. For me, as long as they're not aggressing against otherwise peaceful people, ah, uh, salute. You know, God bless. Live your life. As far as I'm concerned, it just means more chicks for me. But I also don't really care about the presidency, and I don't take that very seriously. The people who do take that seriously... I I don't know. I I think in the in the back of their minds, they're thinking. I don't know. I don't think I'm ready for a gay guy to be president. I think that they feel that it would be demeaning to the office that you know to to have a, a male first lady and, and like doing his first lady initiatives. You know, like uh, get up and dance or whatever. Or what was Michelle Obama's ones? Was it something about uh, let's move? Let's move, I think that's what it was called. And then to be seeing the the president of the United States kissing a guy uh, when he gets on Air Force One or off Air Force One or whatever, I I don't think we're ready for that. Uh, I really don't. That, to me, is actually a a much bigger hurdle to overcome than having a woman as as president. I, I could much more easily see a woman becoming president before a gay guy. Even a lesbian would be a little different. And guys don't seem to have the same problem, the same visceral reaction to lesbians. But I don't know, the two dudes playing house in the White House, I, I don't think that's going to play well to a lot of voters. And, you know, I don't, I don't think women want a, a gay president, a gay male president, to beat them to the punch either. I, I think women would rather vote to get a woman president before they would vote for a gay guy. Like, the, the gay guy's got to wait his turn. It's a woman's turn now. And then then after we do a woman, then we can do a gay guy, maybe. And also black people. And I know I'm probably going to take a lot of heat for this. and I'll probably take heat for going down this entire path. Nobody will openly talk about this stuff. No doubt all of the lemmings out there will be calling me a racist homophobe or whatever. They're going to call me that regardless, right? So who cares? But there's a reason, I think, that Mayor Pete has practically no support from black people. In, in fact, they even asked him about it again last night. He keeps getting asked, like, why don't black people like you? And he has to come up with these, like, bullshit answers. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's gay. And they generally get a pass on this because of their minority status. But being gay is not widely accepted in the black community. And, and the black guys I know, they're not supporting some gay dude for president. They just aren't. And maybe they'll approve of his lifestyle, maybe they don't but he's not going to be their president. It would, it would have to be a very inspiring candidate to, to overcome, I think, that immaturity of our society. And I don't see that in Mayor Pete. He's just sort of cookie cutter. He's, he's just sort of the typical presidential candidate who also happens to be gay. He just sort of says all the things that presidential candidates say very eloquently, and he's just sort of an average candidate. I don't, I don't think it's a, an average candidate is going to be the first gay president. And I don't think I'm alone in thinking these sorts of things because nobody seems to be playing up the fact that he's gay. It's not like a rallying cry. It's not a big focal point of his campaign. The media doesn't talk about it a lot. Yeah, sure, every once in a while it comes up, but They're they're certainly not like flaunting it as like, this is the reason why you have to vote for this guy. And perhaps part of the reason they're doing that is because they know there's not a big appetite for a gay president. I just don't think we're ready as a society for as far as we've come in terms of people accepting uh, gay people in society and their lifestyle or whatever. I don't think we're ready for a, a Mayor Pete to be president. So I guess maybe we still have uh, ways to go in that regard. I could be wrong. I I actually hope I am because as far as these Democratic candidates go, if I have to choose one, one of these viable candidates that's actually up on the debate stage, I would prefer Tulsi Gabbard, obviously. But if she's out of the running and Yang's out of the running, it would be Mayor Pete. Um, He he is the least bad, as far as I'm concerned, of all, all these candidates, which isn't a ringing endorsement by any means. I disagree with him on literally everything. But I, I think Mayor Pete is probably one of their best candidates, one of the better candidates up there. He's certainly the most poised. He's very well coached. He's well rehearsed. He's sophisticated. He, he seems to be pretty smart. He, he's basically the only candidate up there not making a fool of themselves. I don't know how hard it is to seem smart in it standing next to Joe Biden. But I think that's what he's banking on. He's like, he's just going to let these idiots make fools of themselves. And then he's just going to be the last man standing. Joe Biden will gaff his way out of contention. Pocahontas will destroy herself with her ridiculousness. Maybe they'll steal the nomination away from Bernie again. So he'll get some help from CNN or whatever. And then you're left with Mayor Pete, the last man standing. I, I think Yang will hang around for a while and, and he might make some waves, but he's not getting the nomination. Obviously, Tulsi Gabbard's not. How Amy Klobuchar is still up on stage is beyond me. Who is giving money to Amy Klobuchar? There is nothing likable about that woman. She's awkward. She's boring. And she's just terrible at these debates. She's terrible at running for president. I, I still don't know what the hell Bloomberg's doing. I, I've seen some dumbass ads on TV, but that's about it. And then there's that other billionaire guy, Tim, whatever. He's irrelevant. He was dead on arrival. So I think, you know, Mayor Pete Buttplug and Bernie Sanders are probably the best options at this point. Biden is still polling high, but he's senile. We know that he's senile. There is no way that he could get through a one-on-one debate with Donald Trump. There's just no way. He can't get through a sentence without stumbling and bumbling and looking like an old, senile man. Just a low IQ, low energy. No, he's got energy, but he's just an idiot. He's always been an idiot. And now he's like losing his faculties. So, you know, he might get the nomination, but the, there's no way that he beats Donald Trump. Sanders, I don't know. Bernie Sanders, I, and I, always, I thought this the last election cycle Bernie Sanders is a much better matchup against Trump than Hillary Clinton. Um, but much more interesting. And it would actually put the, the, the best thing about that would be, even though it's not truly the case, the way it would be framed would be socialism versus capitalism. Even though we don't have capitalism here and that's not truly what's going on, that's the way the debate would be framed. And it would be very interesting. It would give me a lot of material for this show if I could have that. Socialism versus capitalism running for president—that would be great. Yeah, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on the debate. I—I I, I think Bernie Sanders has the best chance at this point, barring some sort of, uh, you know, chicanery where they steal the nomination from him again. It is not outside the realm of possibility. But it would be it would be to their detriment. He, I don't see any one of these other candidates other than Mayor Pete, but like I said, I, I think he's got a big hurdle to overcome in people's uh, people's minds that they don't want to talk about, which is the fact that he's gay. And nobody's bringing it up, really. I don't know. I don't know if that's... Uh, I know you're not supposed to say these things, but whatever. That's why you come to the Peddling Fiction Podcast, to hear something that nobody else will talk about. Anyway, um, I'm going to wrap there. I will probably do another episode on Friday. At least that's the plan. I'm giving you three this week. I'm going to try to give you three episodes. This is a little bonus episode because I I missed late last week, and I always feel bad about that. So I'm going to make it up to you fine folks with an episode on Friday. I'm going to talk about the new Trump tax cuts that are coming down the pipeline and and, um, some other things with... Um, economics, inflation, the Federal Reserve, it's going to be riveting, so stay tuned for that. Guys, if you liked this episode, if you found some value in it, I'm sure there's somebody else you know that would uh, enjoy it as well, so go ahead and share it with them. Don't forget to give me a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher or whatever, however that stuff works follow me on twitter at pedal fiction you can become a supporting listener of the show by going to my website pedalingfictionpodcast.com and if you can do all that i will be back on friday with a brand new episode until then just remember to keep on pedaling that so-called fiction peace